Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriation, welcome back to another episode of Because I Have a Live Mic here on Fluent Radio. Appreciate you guys coming out tonight. I hope you guys are staying safe because it's kind of getting cold again, but everybody is... I love how no matter what happens in December, Chicago people get shocked when it starts getting a little bit cold. Like, it ain't even really that cold yet. People be like, it's cold. I can't can't take this. I'm like, guys, y'all been here for how long? Come on. We got a great show for you today. Uh, James James Harden to Milwaukee. We'll talk about that today. Uh, we'll talk about a little how I got into a little bit of trouble on Twitter and so much more. But uh, we're gonna start because, as always, with the COVID situations in the NFL. So um, recently, the Chicago Bears had to shut down <clears throat> their practice facilities because of the COVID issues. Like I said last week, Eddie Jackson had a case of COVID. He seemed to get over it quickly because he is playing today and he played last week. Um, they had to shut down uh, the whole facilities to, to clean it, to make sure everything was safe there. So as of right now, again, I don't know what's going on because the Chicago Bears are playing today. Like no people have reported COVID on the team so far through the NFL. So I don't, again, either they're really, really good at hiding whoever got it or it must have been like a practice player because they have not reported anyone out there. So. Um, I'm not going to do, uh, again, it's week 14, guys. The Chicago Bears are terrible right now. If you ever want to see a team give up on a, you know, coach, then, hey, look at the last week's Chicago team, which I don't even, a lot of people saying, like, they gave up. I'm really not saying that. I'm just saying the team finally played together as one because both sides of the ball sucked last Sunday, right? Like, I don't know how many, I don't know how many elite defenses, right, like, elite defenses give up a 10-point lead to a okay offense with a new head coach right like last week was just disgrace like I don't know how or what happened in between time right like there has never like when the Chicago Bears have had a you know 10-point lead like that when you have an opportunity to shut the door on a team that you have been previously unbeaten towards or like Matt Nagy was 5-0 and against the Lions like Mitchell Trubisky was 3-0 and against them right like his normally his best games in the NFL are against the Lions and last week I'm not 100% sure what happened right like the offense again has looked better under Mitchell Trubisky than it has under Nick Foles and it, the offense is good again like it scored probably its highest um, offense to date in 30 points right like it has scored, you know, it was running the ball well, it was throwing the ball well. Like, David Montgomery had a touchdown. Cordell Patterson had a touchdown, right? Like, everything was firing on all cylinders. And I think the problem is that the defense finally just, you know, after so long of having to carry a team, keep it going, keep everything, you know, keep it going, keep it, the games close. I think the defense finally just got tired, right? Like, at certain points, it's just eventually you're going to cave in. So, and that's what happened, right? And the Bears really have not been as, you know, prevalent as it has, right? Like, of course, they're still in the playoff hunt for now because it's week 14. Like, now it's kind of where, you know, teams kind of, like, you know, separate themselves, win the divisions, you know, clinch playoff spots, all of that from now on to, like, week 17. So now it's kind of really see how can they, you know, essentially hold it down and at least finish with a, you know, 8-8, eight, eight and eight, you know, maybe 9-7, and seven, right? Like, I don't see where else the Bears can go from this and then do whatever they have to do for the offseason. So we'll see how that turns out. Um, the little bit of quote-unquote controversy I got into on Twitter was because, so I put, so Matt Forte 
for, of course, former Bears running back, um, put up a tweet saying that Lovey Smith was, you know, Lovey Smith in his, you know, seven years here had four 10 win, 10 win seasons, and the combined five head coaches since he's been fired has only had two in 20 years. And someone put up, and then someone said that um, <clears throat> you're only saying this because Lovey was black and that Lovey, you know, if you really look at it, Lovey didn't really have that great of a year. He had inherited a great defense, and he really didn't do anything. And I was just like, guys, no one, A, no one brought up the fact that Lovey Smith was black. B, Lovey Smith had arguably a great defense, yes, terrible offense because let's not forget, he got to a Super Bowl with Rex Grossman as quarterback, right? Like, And I said the problem is that a lot of people don't want to give Lovey Smith the credit that he deserves because of the fact that, he was arguably outside of like, of course, you know, George Hallis and Mike Dicker, the best coach the Bears have had, you know, in recent memory, right? Like a lot of people love to say, well, Mark Trestman, you know, was doing good. And, you know, John Fox would have been better if they would have gave him, you know, more options at quarterback, more options at receiver. But here's the thing that I, that I said that, of course, got people all in tissy is that Lovey May did what a lot of black people always do. Lovey made, you know, took the, you know, chicken poop and made chicken salad with it, right? Like, he, you know, took everything that a lot of people give him. Because people forget, Lovey Smith was 5-11 and 11 his first year, right, as a, you know, coach in the NFL. And then went 11-5, and five, took the team to a Super Bowl, had back-to-back playoffs um, appearances, was always a threat to win the NFC North, always a threat to win the NFC always a threat to go to a Super Bowl. And even when he got Jay Cutler those two years – he was still, he still had, you know, was practically on a playoff berth, right? Like, people talk about the time he got fired when he went 10-6. Well, yeah, if you remember, the NFC that year was otherworldly good, right? Like, the NFC was probably one of the best years it's ever been in, right? Like, when you go 10-6 and six and you miss the playoffs only because you're third in the NFC North when the Packers were 14-12 and 12 and the Lions were 11-5, um, the NFC North that year was un- otherworldly, right? Like you had Aaron Rodgers really breaking into his own, right? You had Matthew Stafford coming into it. You had, you know, even in um, Minnesota, who really didn't have that great of a quarterback option back then, they had a great defense. So, like, you had all these things going into it, and the Bears still ended up with a, a record of 10-6, and six, you know, even though he did start off with a record of, seven and one and then he lost those you know games that kind of led up into his getting fired which again I'm not saying he should have been he should not have been fired but the thing about it is you don't fire someone after having that good of a year and you have had not had like the sustained success that a lot of quarterback a lot of coaches have not had and that was the issue that a lot of people see right like a lot of people aren't saying that lovey didn't deserve you know lovey wasn't deserved to be fired right like when you go seven and one and then you drop, then when you drop five games, right? Like, yeah, no, you kind of deserve to get fired. Cause it wasn't like he dropped five games. Like they were playing terrible offense, right? They were playing terrible offense. The defense was really keeping them in games, but just like, kind of like how it is now, like their offense never really picked up to the defensive standard. So like a lot of people were saying was like, well, that's the problem, right? Like Lovey couldn't coach the offense. I've said this before and I will continue to say this again. There is a position on the team called an offensive coordinator. He is the head coach of the offense. That is what 
If you want an offensive coordinator, then go out and hire an offensive coordinator. You need a head coach coaches the entire team. Like I get where a lot of people are coming from saying, well, he, well, we need this kind of quarterback whisperer. We need this. We need, no, no. You need a guy who can coach an entire team. And that is the problem that I think a lot of people have now with the bears is they want that quarterback, you know, whisperer, then go get him as be your quarterback coach. That's why they have a position on the team called quarterback coach, right? Like let him coach your quarterback, right? Like let him focus on one aspect of the team, right? Like if you want to build and develop a quarterback, then do that. Do not go out and get a quarterback coach for the entire team and tell him, okay, cool. We're just going to focus on this aspect. And then here's the defense coordinator. You can go do that. And I'm just really going to focus on offense. Like that's how you divide a team, right? Like that's how you become, that's how divisions become in a team because now really you're only focusing on one aspect of the team instead of being like, Hey, you know, I'm, we're all in this together. Everything's together. And that was the thing that lovey was able to do was that he was able to galvanize that team, right? Like the team, you know, that team that went to the Super Bowl was not the best team, right? Like defensively, they were probably the best since about, I don't want to say 85, since about, I would say about 2001, right? Like that defense was probably the best it's ever been, right? Like the offense, of course, not really, here's the thing with that offense, right? Like to start off with, it was really starting to get better, right? Like Rex Grossman over time was really starting to grow into a quarterback because people forget like up into that Arizona game where he kind of where the slide kind of started he was playing at I don't want to say MVP level but he was playing in like MVP Knicks right like at the beginning of that year right like he was playing really well up until I don't it was like up until that Arizona game where Devin Hester returned two kicks and they you know come back he was playing really well and I think the problem was that a lot of the media around here because a lot of the media a lot of you know uh sources a lot of getting main time buzz kind of messed with his head because now they were starting to pick him apart and he kind of you know collapsed and kind of tried to do too much in a sense like whenever he was like had a big time game he kind of like tried to do too much that's why he kind of choked in a lot of you know tougher situations right like up until the like especially in the super bowl where he did kind of choke but that wasn't also his fault because like the offense at the time was really built around Thomas Jones, Cedric Benson, you know, two back system, kind of a lot of play action, you know, a lot of Dallas Clark, a lot of uh, Bernard Berrien, a lot of Musa Muhammad, but it really wasn't like going deep. It was more on the lines of like, you know, slants, you know, up the middle to Dallas, uh, Dallas Clark, you, you know, your deep bomb to um, Bernard Barron, who was the speed guy. And you had um, Musa Muhammad, who was kind of, you know, the possession receiver, the physical, the route runner, you know, stuff like that. And once, Cedric Benson got hurt early on and kind of changed the entire, you know, makeup of that team. And it forced Rex to kind of do a lot more than what he was, what he was, you know, normally allowed to do. So you could tell that and that kind of affected everything. Cause after really, after that second half, you really saw Peyton Manning just take over. And of course, cause Peyton Manning is like one of the goats. So you knew eventually it was going to take over, but <clears throat> one of the things that I will say about that is that even when he lost the Super Bowl, Lovey was still in the mix to go back, right? Like a lot of a lot of coaches, when once you lose the Super Bowl, don't make the playoffs again. He made the playoffs again. Like a lot of teams, he took them to like an NFC, you know, divisional game. He still won that division multiple times even before he was fired. 
And I think the thing that why he was quote unquote fired is because he was starting to, you know, a lot of <clears throat> a lot of the rumors where he was starting to get too much of a position in power up there. Like a lot of the players were really respecting him more than they were, you know, the upper crust. So they were had so they was kind of like, hey, let's fire him and get him out the way. Like in a lot of the sports media around here after his firing was just like, yo, <clears throat> it was, you know, it was time to move on. It was time, you know, it, 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 we were going to do it anyway. I was like, you did it when he was, again, 10 and 6, right? Like, not like 6 and 10, not 5 and 11. You did it when he had a winning season. His quarterback got hurt, and then everything was still going his way. And even if, and a lot of people say, like, well, he had an elite defense, so, like, it wasn't even him. So, like, after lovey smith got fired then why is it that it was such a drop right like a lot of people love to say well we got mark trestman so now our offense can really explode right like okay cool mark trestman took them to one playoff game got him to the division got him to the championship round choked mind you choked in the divisional round because he you could tell he got out coached that by mark mccarthy and granted you know you had aaron Rodgers when he was still you know when he was still young, so he could still move like he, you know, like he could back then when he could still escape the pocket and throw it deep, even though he still can throw it deep now. He just can't move out the pocket like he can't. But you had all of that. And then after that, Mark, they didn't make the playoffs again until just uh, two years ago, right? Like they didn't make the playoffs again until, you know, Matt Nagy got there, right? Like, and so when people say, well, it wasn't, it wasn't Lovey, it was the defense, it was this, like, give that man his due, right? Like, Lovey came in in a time where the Bears were still kind of up in the air about what they were going to do, right? After the Dick Duran era, a lot of people didn't know. So, Lovey was still, to me, that's why, like, the Bears aren't going to do well, right? Like, because I feel like they got the color purple card. So, like, until you do right by me, that's kind of why the Bears are kind of doing bad as much as they have been, so the bears need to figure out what they're going to do. And I know like a lot of people are now throwing up there because it's looking like Matt Nagy is going to be fired. I don't know if he's going to be fired because you know, depends on how you look at it. Coaches tend to stay on for an extra year just because, Hey, we need to see what we got with him. So uh, I know a lot of people are saying that uh, Eric B enemy from Kansas city, you know, again, the offense coordinator there, the guy who, you know, essentially was under Matt Nagy when he was the offense coordinator at uh, Kansas City when he was the quarterback coach to, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Like, can he, you know, get there and develop a quarterback there? But again, I said this before, you don't need to get him to be just one aspect of it, right? Like, you look at um, Bill Belichick. He was a defensive coordinator, but he knew how he knew that, hey, if I'm going to be a head coach, I have to be, you know, the coach of the team entirely. Right. Like I can't just be one aspect of it. So that's why he goes and hires the best people. So that way he can be that way he can, you know, parse out to everybody. Right. Like he's never just you never see him just only on the defensive side. Like you see him on defensive side, on the offensive side. So that's what you need to do. You can't just hire one aspect of it and then expect the other aspect to just to be fine. So. We'll see what the Bears going to do. Like I said, it's just it's fun to watch people say that Lovey Smith was not a great coach when you have all the facts there, right? Like what Jay-Z said, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. So it's just, you know, you can't sit there and not debate this. There is one topic you can debate, though, because so I have we so 
every football season, me and my mom, you know, we do the pickums because she did it when she was working, and she never really got out of it. So, and if it was, and to be fair, if it wasn't for Corona this year, I was gonna take her to the boat because the first five weeks she was like fifteen and one, uh, fourteen and two. I'm like, uh, ma'am, if you keep winning like this, we gonna go to the boat. We gonna put some money on some games because uh, you you was picking them good, and so. Recently, we had a discussion because we, me and me and my mama, really uh, rely on the Wale thing. We're assuming we rooting for everybody that's black. So, anytime a black quarterback is playing, we tend to pick them. You know, black quarterback, black head coach. Again, sue me, I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Um, but this, like, uh, Thursday game when it was Cam versus um, Jared Goff, you know, the Patriots versus the Rams, I was just like, I can't pick them because I – don't know how he's gonna do so I had to go against that and and it brought up an interesting topic with my mom and with my friend because I was talking to her about it and we had a conversation it's like I think a lot of times people excuse Cam's you know of course if you want to say he's declined because he is black a lot of people don't want to be like hey can um you know is Cam good and bad because of the fact that he's black? You don't want to hold on to it. And I think that mindset comes from black, especially in the NFL, there has not been a, a void of black quarterbacks. Like, all right, like this year, probably the most black quarterbacks have started and ever than it has in the NFL, which is 10, right? Like that number has whittled down due to injuries and just other situations. But that, um, that statement has still said with me because for a long time, especially in the NFL, we had to trick ourselves into thinking that so certain black quarterbacks were good just because we had no other option, right? Like we had nothing else. So when um when it's now time to see like quarterbacks are starting to you know fade away, you're looking at them. It's like hard to be like, well, now yeah, I guess we can't say he sucks, right? Like because we still hold on to that mindset of can we sit here and say that a black quarterback is bad just because he is black, right? Like, can we finally admit to start judging black, of course, black quarterbacks as, you know, just full quarterbacks? Because people forget, like, not even, not even um, five years ago, there were that many, and they were still getting, quote unquote, judged on how, you know, are they smart enough to be the game, right? Like, Deshaun Watson, I remember had to break down coverage in front of people to let people know, like, yeah, he is smart enough to play this game, right? Like, I remember um, Patrick Mahomes, they were talking about, well, you know, can they develop him into something, you know, great? Because, you know, him being in the Big 12, you just really, you only throw the ball. You never really, you know, had to read defenses. You know, can he stay, can he do it under center, right? Like, as the, you know, even if the league at that time was slowly starting to go towards, um, being a spread offense and being less understanding than it is now. You had people like saying that Cam, you know, is a great running quarterback, but can he get you out of situations where he had to throw the ball, right? Like that MVP year, people forget that MVP year, Cam was throwing people open when your top receiver was Ted Ginn Jr. Right? Like the year he went to the Super Bowl, his top receiver was Ted Ginn Jr. Right? Like people, a lot of people think that Cam you know, it's got washed up since he left uh, Carolina. Yeah, because Cam had to literally carry the entire franchise on his back, right? People joke and laugh and say, well, oh, y'all forget about Christian McCaffrey. You're like, guys, 
a running back who is now granted is a very franchise changing running back in Christian Caffrey, but you still can't rely on him to be, you know, to be the number one receiver and the number one running back on the same team, right? Like you can't rely on that. Whereas you have guys like a Deshaun Watson who had a DeAndre Hopkins, but was still getting, you know, questions like, can DeAndre, can he, you know, just, disguise defenses can he read defenses can he understand you know pass coverages can he understand how to break down all of these things and people were just you know again demanding him right where you had quarterbacks who were terrible but people were still trying to give them passes right like like you know me i rag on baker mayfield and i disposably right because sometimes i still wonder if he is still worth the number one draft pick but again you look at guys like Again, Mitchell Trubisky, right? Like, he moved past Deshaun Watson, who had a resume in college football that I don't think a lot of people understood how good he was, right? Like, because of the, just because he played at Clemson, and a lot of people think, well, because it was real more Clemson than anybody else, right? Like, no, like, he at Clemson beat an Alabama team on a play that I don't think a lot of quarterbacks in the pros can make now, right? Like, I don't think a lot of people understand, like, how good that Alabama defense was at that time. And a lot of people say, well, when is it the time that we have to stop, you know, judging quarterbacks by race? When can we just judge them by, you know, their play? Like, guys, there were still times this year where people saying that Jared Stidham should start over camp, right? Like, first of all, no, Jared Stidham should not have started. You let Cam lose that job for you, kind of like he is doing now. But I think the Patriots were just spoiled from having Tom Brady and going to the playoffs all those years, right? Like, it always turn into being you know well we're the Patriots so we're just supposed to be in the playoffs right like and I don't think a lot of people gave Cam the opportunity that he should have had right like a lot of people were just like okay cool you know well Cam in here now go right how is it going to work and I said this before right you look at somebody like a Tyrod Taylor right Tyrod Taylor at Buffalo had the highest completion rate in the NFL for three years straight when he was a starter and they still didn't want him as quarterback, right? Like he, you know, had, he was the first quarterback to take them to a playoff game since 99, right? Like the, you know, when they went to, you know, four straight Super Bowls, all of that, he was the first quarterback to take them to the playoffs and they still didn't want him. He had the highest passer rating in the NFL at the time where um, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady were still in that league. Right, like now again, he lost, of course, but he lost to Tom Brady, of course, in the AFC East. You know, it is looking like they're going to win it now. And you look at when they go when they drafted Jared Allen again, guys. They put in a guy called Nathan Peterman. I want you to go look this up. Like Nathan Peterman threw five interceptions in one game, three in one half. Right, three in one half. Like every time I turn to it, he literally threw a interception for almost every quarter of football because there's there's four quarters technically five is overtime so he threw an interception for every quarter in football and a lot of people especially now the whole Tyrod Taylor and Jared Allen thing was that a lot of people think like uh, people rag on Jared Allen but like the problem is Jared Allen is has something that a lot of black quarterbacks don't have the time to grow right like Jared Allen was given a little bit of time to grow into what he is doing now, right? Like, what I uh, what I think Jared Allen is probably arguably one of the best young quarterbacks coming through the league right now. Like, I think because of the fact that he had time to grow into a position where he could actually 
uh, learn how to play this position at a you know pro level, right? Like learn how to stay in the pocket instead of running, right? Learn how to you know diagnose a deep ball. Oh, and also you have a front office who goes out and get him receivers, right? Like they went out and got Stephon Diggs, who if you look at Stephon Diggs is probably the most excited because oh he's got a quarterback now, right? Like he had three years of um Kirk Cousins after three years of Kirk Cousins going to Jared Allen is like going and getting Flaming Young got to having a well done steak for two for three years right like it's unknown right like so like the thing that Jared Allen had that a lot of black quarterbacks don't get is that time to grow into a position right like <clears throat> like Jared out like Tyrod Taylor never had that opportunity to grow right like he never had to be like time frame to learn like it's it's thought to think automatic like once you get in there oh you're supposed to take us to you know the next level right you're supposed to be you know you're supposed to be otherworldly you're supposed to be all you know otherworldly right like you're supposed to be all pro like your first really two years right like they give you the rookie year to learn how but then that second year it's supposed to be like hey you're supposed to be you know you're supposed to take us to the super bowl that year like you look at someone because again and you look at the past, I don't want, I don't say like the past year, right? Like last, especially last year, right? Where you had top five offenses in the league were Tampa, well, not Tampa Bay, yeah, Tampa Bay, Baltimore, Seattle, Kansas City, and Dallas all have all have black quarterbacks, right? Like you look at some place, you look at a place in Dallas, right? Like Dak Prescott has the best bargaining chip right now because of the fact that Dallas is tanking terribly. Because they without him, right? Like that shows that Dallas without uh, Dak Prescott is not in good. And, and Jerry Jones is still trying to figure out ways to not pay this man his money, right? Like you look at how Dallas is really and truly, I, in my opinion, trying to tank to get te- Trevor Lawrence, right? Like I don't think they will because I don't think they're going to lose enough games to beat out Jacksonville or um, the, especially the Jets, right? Like the Jets are zero and eleven going for that zero and twelve, right? Like so. So I don't know if they can out, you know, suck those two teams to get to Trevor Lawrence, but you never know what Jerry Jones might do. They Jerry Jones might try to trade Dak Prescott just to get a draft pick. And the problem with that is, again, like I said, that is my issue with Josh Allen. Josh Allen has had the time to grow that a lot of black quarterbacks don't get. A lot of black quarterbacks are expected to be great off rip and never have that opportunity. And that's why I think a lot of people – seem to protect, you know, black quarterbacks like the way they did. It was just like, well, okay, cool. Even though, you know, even though he uh, probably isn't the best, he's still like the black quarterback, so we got to protect him, right? Like when it was just like when Byron Leftwich was the, um, the quarterback for Jacksonville, right? Like people forget like Byron Leftwich got Jacksonville to, I think, the, the they got them to the divisional round and they lost to uh, the Steelers. When Byron Leftwich was in the league, a lot of people didn't think he was like we all knew in the black community he wasn't really good right like we all knew that right like but we we didn't say it in public right like we said in public we were like yeah he's probably one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in a while right like he you know he's done all of this he you know he got jacksonville jaguars to a playoff game he won an afc south when you had peyton manning in the still in indy and still doing good right when you still had, you know, not only let's not forget, like not only did um he had Houston in there where they had Andre Johnson and they are in uh Matt Schaub when Matt Schaub started to do good, right? You had all of those talents, right? Like and a lot of people always bring up to me, in my eyes, the three real 
true good black quarterbacks in the um, league at the time, Donovan McNabb, Michael Vick, and Dante Culpepper. Now, a lot of people don't want to give Dante Culpepper his due because, sadly, he kind of got caught up in that Miami controversy where Miami hires Nick Saban. They had the opportunity to get Drew Brees. They really didn't go and get Drew Brees because he had the surgery on the shoulder. They didn't know what he was going to be. They didn't go after him, and then they let him go to the Saints. And, well, we all know how that turned out. You had the... And then they go pick up um, Dante Culpepper, who, again, at the time frame, was still very good in Minnesota, right? Like, he his rookie year, granted his rookie year, he had Randy Moss and um, Chris Carter there to help him out. But he's still really good, right? Like, one of the – and he got – he kind of get like, a lot of people remember how that whole controversy starts in Miami – where Nick Saban really didn't want to start him. Again, it was one of those things where management, as in, like, the GM, the president, wanted to start one guy. The head coach wanted to do another one. But, again, because your boss's boss, you know, is bossed over you, you got to start. And then it never really shaped out the way it did. Like, Miami had a decent year. I think they went 8-8. Eight and, eight and, eight and, eight. and then after that, it was just terrible. And then Nick Saban, in the middle of the night, left to go back to Alabama. <clears throat> But a lot of people don't give Dante Culpepper his due, especially in Minnesota, right? Like Minnesota was outside after Randall Cunningham, Minnesota never really had a quarterback until they got Dante Culpepper, right? Like Randall Cunningham kind of, especially Randall Cunningham, because he changed his entire game from when he went to Philly to Minnesota, right? Like he was an MVP quarterback. He should have won MVP that year, um, 99, when he went, when they sadly lost to the Atlanta Falcons in the, um, the NC championship game, right? Like the team that even to this day, like Denver said, like if we had to play that Minnesota team at that time frame, we would have lost, right? Because that Minnesota team was something dangerous. And a lot of people don't give it credit, the credit that he is due. So, and a lot of times it's because it was just like, well, he didn't do it that year. Okay, cool. We got to get him out. And I think a lot, again, a lot of times it's, you want black quarterbacks to, succeed immediately without giving them the growth of time frames just like you would a white quarterback right like a lot of people still swear that swear to me that baker mayfield is probably you know one of the best up-and-coming quarterbacks this year i'm just like guys it's not that way right like i want to see a baker mayfield without you know i'm not trying to move the goalposts because i really don't like when people do that right like when people try to move the goalposts like oh because last week he put the whooping on Tennessee and I've seen like a lot of people saying well you know Tennessee's defense is bad I want to see him do it against an elite level defense I'm just like he did it against a playoff team that was my big concern the Browns are looking like they're going to go to the playoffs at least as a wild card uh, again like I cannot sit here and say that Baker Mayfield is not good but I don't know if he's franchise level first round pick good so you know, when you have, especially in the division where you have a guy like a Lamar Jackson, right? Like a lot of people in Baltimore are ready to essentially shift off, ship Lamar Jackson off because he's not as good as he was. And I've said this before, right? The front office tends to not get good weapons for black quarterbacks, right? Like you look at Lamar Jackson, right? Like he doesn't really have the best receiving core, right? Like right now his number one receiver is Willie Sneed. Right, like he, Willie Sneed, when Willie Sneed is your number one receiver, there is you know, issues there. When you look at, you know, and a lot of people are just like, well, what's wrong? Why is it so different from last year? Well, guys, because A, P, 
people have more people have a year of footage on you now right people know what you can do know how to at least not stop you but contain you and make you at least have to throw the ball more right like it's no longer reliance on you know the triple option it's no longer reliance on the load on you know one section of offense right like no more options no more run pass options right like no more you know short passes like they're going to make you either hey beat us deep or you know shred us apart in the uh, mid routes right no more you know short options that turn into you know 75 yard touchdowns right and the problem with that is he really only has those type of receivers he doesn't really have like a receiver that's a game changer like he has Marquise Brown but Marquise Brown has kind of gotten you know basically clamped up because now everybody knows that he really only knows how to run like three routes right a fly a post pattern and a slant and go right he only really knows those three routes so now people are saying like hey you have to beat us you know this way right like and he's beating them with a lot of tight ends a lot of you know underneath routes but eventually people are going to lock that up and make you say okay you got to start throwing in the middle with us and a lot of times like i said before front office don't really like to get you know receivers that are help right like greg roman who you know has talked so much all about how how you know he's changed the game and how all this stuff you notice greg roman's not getting any head coaching offers right like greg roman's not getting anyone knocking on his door to be their head coach because he's such a quarterback whisperer because i've said this before now that you're getting exposed you're not changing up your game to help your young quarterback you're still trying to be like no 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 you're going to run the offense this way and if you run until you get it right we're going to run it this way it's my way or the highway or it's just like guys you see it's not working change it up help your young quarterback out or else you're going to burn him out within five to six years and you got to start this process all over again and you're going to ruin arguably one of the best young quarterbacks we have in the league so that's why i think a lot of people are defensive like why black people are so defensive of black quarterbacks is just because we see that we you know we don't get the time frame to succeed we only we have a short window and if we don't do it in that time frame you throw us out and you know essentially throw us out right tyrod taylor essentially like and i will say this i need to question the uh los angeles chargers doctor staff because you stabbed this man in the chest with the you know mr magic needle to get you know to get the pain away so hard that you puncture a lung that mean you that means you were using more force than needed you must have been watching reservoir uh, not reservoir you must have been watching pope fiction and thought okay we're gonna do it the scene from when john travolta stabbed uma thurman with the adrenaline shot right like you must have been doing that because that's the only way i can think of you deciding to do to stab a needle in his man's chest so hard that you puncture a lung right like but i think the fix was in for tyrod taylor once they got once they got Justin Herbert, right, like, early, especially that early, right, like, because Tyrod Taylor already knew that he probably wasn't going to be the starter for long, or right? Justin Herbert was already coming in, and then to do that in week three, like, yeah, that was just a setup all the way, so, and that, and that also just extends on to black court, like, hey, coaches, too, because especially this year where we have, we started off the year with three, <clears throat> we have four now, Romeo Cornell is the interim head coach over in Houston, and black head coaches really don't get their due, right? Like, you look at Anthony Lynn, who's taking the Chargers from essentially being, not I won't say a laughing stock, but essentially being, you know, someone you don't really take serious on your schedule to now being, you know, a credible threat to, you know, Kansas City. <laughs> you know, you look at someone, you look at 
<clears throat> Mike Tomlin, who I think is still in, need to be in the conversation of the greatest coach. Only thing, only reason why I don't think he's in there is because he lost a lot to Bill Belichick. If he had at least a few more wins over Bill Belichick, I think we can safely put him in that uh, conversation of greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, greatest head coach because he beat, you know, the guy. And I think that's the only issue there behind that. But, like, if you look at the guy who has never had a loser season in his 14 years at Pittsburgh, right? Like, and it's not like he, you know, Pittsburgh wasn't, like, already some, you know, Art wasn't already, like, a legit team when he got there. But he took that team and made it better, right? Like, now this year is a little bit iffy because I don't know how he's going to deal with there's his receiving situation because now it's looking like it's always weird because it looks like he has now, like, three true number one receivers in, you know, Claypool, Washington, and Juju. So I don't know how he's going to handle that situation. But I think the problem is a lot of people, again, you he had they had to succeed right away, right? Like, Anthony, like I remember, like, last year, people were talking about firing Anthony Lynn because he wasn't doing right. You know, Brian, uh, Brian Ferrios, who in Miami, who I really thought should not have taken that job because that, that was seemed like a setup from jump, right? Like, Miami was already tanking. They had, like, five first-round picks. They looked like they were tanking because, as we all know, a lot of times they'll give the black uh, black head coach the job when he's losing, like just like they did in Tampa Bay, right, where they gave Tony Dungy the job. Tony took that team and made it from, like, literally the worst team in history in the NFL to being arguably one of the teams that were ready to win a Super Bowl. They fired him the year before they win a Super Bowl, right? Like, let's not forget that. Uh, that's why I said I didn't think he should take 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 that job because I thought they were gonna do that. Like I thought he was gonna okay, hey, cool, we're gonna build up this team, and then right when they're ready to win, they still might because it's still kind of early, right? They still might do that, but they're gonna build this team up, and then we're gonna fire him and hire a coach that's gonna take us over the hump, right? Like, like you don't give the guy time to succeed, right? Especially like perfect example, and we are not even gonna get into like. The reason why I stay away from college football, head coaching in black, because it's just a cornucopia of crap because you don't even want to get into that. But you look at somebody like a Willie Taggart in Florida State when he got fired, like Willie Taggart has always had has always been like three years before Willie Taggart um, kind of gets together and gets that team going. Right. Like you look at his time in Florida State and he was right on the crust of kind of winning before he got fired. So then, you know, and then you look at that's how it always has with black with black head coaches is they always get the team right to being great and then they fire them and then bam, that's why we're so protective of them. Okay, someone asked why is then why is Lovey uh being so bad in Illinois? Okay. Here's the thing. There's a difference between going from head coaching the Chicago Bears to coaching Illinois fighting a fighting line. The biggest difference I can tell you right now, you have a team, one team over here gets paid to play, only has to focus on playing football and only, you know, that's their job. You have a team over here full of 18 to 23 year olds who has to focus on football, school, and if it wasn't pro, uh, if it wasn't pre-COVID, party girls and all that other stuff. <clears throat> like let's just be honest here right like people love to say that you know well we go to you go to co- you go to college football you go in there to pre- play you know it's just like it's an unpaid internship to the NFL yeah it's an unpaid internship to the NFL 
again, I know a lot of people don't know this about the NFL, but those guys go out and party every now and then. That's why I laugh every time someone talks about BYU, how they make you sign the contract saying you won't have premarital sex there. I was just like, then what's the point of going to the in it? What's the point of playing if you're not going to, you know, take advantage of, you know, the opportunities there? So that's the difference there, right? Like you have to, you know, kind of corral them. You, they're, they're also still young. They don't know, you know, they think that they're the best player on the team because they signed the contract, right? Like, it's a total different world. That's why I said, like, you. St- that's why I try to stay away from, like, the black head coach conversation in college football because it's nine times out of ten just going to be they don't think that they can control an entire team because people forget, college, especially in college football, like, that is the most segregated place in all of football, right, because you have guys who really only hang out with their uh, set group, right, like the offensive linemen hang out with offensive linemen, DBs hang out with the DBs. Wide receivers hang out with wide receivers, right? Like, there's some cross-pollination every now and then, but it's not like you're not going to see too many people hang out together like that. So that's why it's so much separate. <clears throat> so that's all. That's why it's so different from the NFL to college. So, yeah. So, again, like I said, like, we are just very protective of our own. So that's why it's hard for it's hard for a lot of people to admit that Cam Newton is probably on a decline right now, right? But I think now that we have enough, I think now that we have enough black quarterbacks, not only in the league, but also coming into the league, I think it's okay for us now to be like, yeah, he's on a decline. I'm still not there on saying that he is, you know, bad just yet. I still, I'm, I can't say that, but I think he's just on a decline. So it's going to be sad because again, Cam was probably one of the most exciting players coming out of Auburn and coming into the league. And it's how it's sad that they took, basically arguably could have could have been the best quarterback in the NFL and ran him into the ground in Carolina and then kind of just shipped him off and now he's not even making he's not even making more money than Andy Dalton who was arguably the highest paid you know backup in the NFL so that's why we tend to protect you know black quarterbacks because a lot of if we don't do it I don't think too many other people will so um another topic that was funny to me so you know how when you trying to break up with somebody and you think, okay, cool, I got all these options once I get broken up, but then you realize don't nobody really want you that bad. So now you try now you still trying now you still gotta stay in this relationship. That's kind of what James Harden is doing with Houston. I told y'all before, you know you wanna break up with somebody when you get when you have the opportunity to get paid fifty million fifty million a year. But you still want to be like, nah, I want to go. Right. So um, James Harden is trying to get out of Houston. Now he's added two more teams to his list of people he wants to get traded. Uh, you have Milwaukee and Miami. I think Miami is kind of out of the question because I don't, A, A, you really don't want to put James Harden in another position where he has an opportunity to go to strip clubs because James Harden and strip clubs go together like a hand in glove. So. Again, like he went to Houston, there were reports coming out of Houston. Like one day he came back, he came to practice with stripper glitter in his beard. There was another time where he came, where he was late because he literally just came from strip club to practice. So going from Houston to Miami, probably not the best idea. But a lot of people are saying that he probably won't go to Milwaukee because he has issues with Giannis. I told y'all before, and if I haven't, here it is. Just I don't have to like nobody to win a title with them. Right, like I think now 
we have kind of kind of fell into this trap of everybody on the team has to like each other. Everybody on the team kind of has, you know, has to be brothers and play well with one another. That's not the case, right? Like, people forget that is a job, right? Like, just like anything else, like, that is a job, right? Like, you don't like everybody on your job don't mean you don't have to work with them. Like, if it came down to it, and again, because, A, Milwaukee is trying everything in their power to keep Giannis there, right? Like, Giannis did a press conference, and he did the most – he did the thing that a lot of athletes do whenever they're getting tired of being in a situation. I'm letting my – he said, I'm letting my agent handle that so I can focus on basketball. Like, once you say that, that means you are on a shot clock. That means you have you have a certain amount of time frame before you lose – and arguably one of the best superstars in the league right now, right? Like, you have to get him back. And if that means going to get James Harden and putting him on a team that a lot of people think already is a, you know, championship-level team as it is, you add James Harden to that, you know, especially if he can keep what he did in the bubble to um, from a defensive aspect, right? Like, offensively, you know what James Harden is. But, like, if we can keep that defense, which kind of stepped up, and he can keep that and to, you know, carry that over, like, you may have arguably the most complete player now. And now if you add James Harden to that team who really doesn't have, like, a true blue second option, right, like Chris Middleton, cool, they went and got Lottie Bebop, cool. Those aren't someone that – there aren't, like, oh, okay, I got to worry about them, right? Like, a lot of people – so, like, you go and get James Harden and put him on Milwaukee – that's a team that just scares anyone. And a lot of people, and that's why a lot of people saying like, but he should go to Miami because you got Jimmy, you got Tyler Hero, you got, you know, uh, Crowder, you got all of these pieces together. And the problem is when you look, when you think of Miami and you think of that, the way they play basketball, it is unselfish, right? Like no one, you, again, no one knows who's going to take the shot, right? Like, of course, like Jimmy is the alpha on that team, but it's share the ball. Does that sound like James Harden? Does that sound like the guy who comes up no matter what and plays iso ball on everything? Like, you don't want to get somebody that's detrimental to the team, right? Like, even with Pat Riley, who is, again, Pat, that is Pat Riley's team, no matter who's the coach. Like, that is Pat Riley's team. I don't know even if you get someone like a James Harden could change his game to fit what Pat Riley does. So, you can do that all you want. I don't know if it's going to work. Like it looks nice on paper, but I don't know if it's going to work in, you know, you know, real life, but it works more in um, Milwaukee because yeah, now you have to think about, okay, cool. You can he can play ISO ball because, Hey, he's got Giannis on the background. Like, Hey, he's got, you know, Chris Middleton who can hit some threes, right? Like he, who isn't a slouch, but it's just like one of those things where it's just like, and eh, as a true blue second option, I don't know if that's the real case. Right. So to me, you put him in Miami. I mean, you put him in Milwaukee. It's automatic that they are, you know, I don't want to say crown him because everybody was ready to crown them last year and they didn't work out as well. So, but like I said, a lot of people are saying, well, because he, because him and Giannis has beef, I don't know. It's going to work. Like, I think if you get them to in a, in a room, you sit them down and say, listen, y'all don't have to like each other. Y'all don't have to, you know, be friends. Y'all ain't got to, you know, come down to it, you know, be, but, be brothers, all that fun stuff. No, 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 no. Just be co-workers. Play the game. Do, you know, be cool. Be cordial to one another. Y'all ain't got to hang out after afterwards. All you got to do is play the game right, and then we can move on. We don't have to, you know, we can win this title and get going, right? Because, again, people forget, like, 
Kobe and Shaq, they had their issues, but they still be, was able to, you know, go to three-peat. Or, like, after that, you know, he, after that, it kind of exploded because of whole another situation. But, yeah, they didn't like each other. Again, KD and we all know KD and uh, Draymond really didn't like each other. And they would still be able to, they were still able to win titles. Like, it, you don't have to like everybody on the team. Like, again, like I said, this, this whole, like, it's the, I want to say this, but it's the LeBron effect on the league, right? Like, everybody had, you know, LeBron has kind of came in and been like, hey, you know, he's cool with Dwayne Wade, he's cool with Chris Bosh, he's cool with Carmelo Anthony, he's cool with CP3, you know, they, you know, the banana boat crew, all that, you know, they, you know, when the game is on, they play each other hard, but when it's off, you know, they're friends. Like, yeah, like everybody has now accepted that as like the true blue way, right? Like everybody wants to play with their friends. No one wants to play, you know, individually. No one wants to play, you know, no one wants to play selfish. You know, you have to be, you know, like, no, that doesn't have to, you can play selfish. Like you can do all of that stuff. As long as it, as long as you play within the, uh, Miranda's of the team and put together a good game. That's all you got to do to play and win and move on. Like you ain't got to do all that extraness. Like that's all that counts. So if they can pull this off, I really think if they can pull this off and keep get James Harden in Milwaukee, then bam. I think Giannis stays in Milwaukee and I think they win the title for like at least eh, at least one year. I don't know about two, but at least they can get it for one. Cause um, cause I don't know if he's gonna go to um. Brooklyn, especially now, because Kyrie has now said that he's no longer talking to um, the NBA media, and I think a lot of people blew this out of proportion. Because I will say this, right? Like the media asked if they were just asking like straight up good questions, and not like every other second you know ask those gotcha questions. No, I'm not talking about how you know people. Okay, again, because LeBron. This is the one thing I will say about LeBron is LeBron. Te- again, LeBron wants to be friends with everyone, so he doesn't get it when someone isn't as cool with him, right? Like, because again, people forget Kyrie and LeBron had a little issue when he first came back because he thought, okay, cool, well, I'm the guy now, right? Like, you had your opportunity, now I'm the guy, and LeBron was just like, oh, I just want to go there so that way he they can see him the MVP of the league, right? Like. I wanted to go there to help win him a title. It's like, no, you didn't, LeBron. You wanted to go there to help win you a title for your hometown, which is fine, right? Like, just admit it. But, like, Kyrie saying that he's not going to talk to the media, okay, cool. Some They were just like, oh, they're going to find him. It's like, guys, Marshawn Lynch said the exact same thing. You know what happened? Things moved on, right? Like, no offense, I don't really want to talk to the guy who still thinks the earth is flat. Like, I, I'm perfectly fine with that, right? Kyrie, again, is doing a lot good in the community. He said that he hopes that all the money he takes, that the NBA takes from him, he hopes they put him to good use. But Kyrie not talking to the NBA media is not going to end up affecting them in the long run, right? Like, cool. Right? Like, you have other guys on that team, especially Kevin Durant, because we all know Kevin Durant likes to talk to the media. I'm pretty sure Kevin Durant still has at least three burner accounts left, right? Like, he got caught with one. Pretty sure he at least still has, like, three left that he can um, use. So, I I think we will be fine. It's okay. My uh, So, I didn't talk about this last week because I, I, I had, a lot, had a whole bunch of other stuff, but I did want to say this. How was that fight, guys? Y'all feel good? Y'all got bamboozled out of $50 to watch two... Basically, watch the two of Drunk Uncles fight. 
Like, I'm just saying, like, now, I'm saying this, hypothetically, technically, if I saw the fight on other platforms, I'm hypothetically, I'm saying this, because, you know, of course, I paid, I paid the proper amount and watched the fight in the proper way. Of course I did. But I'm just saying, hypothetically, boy, that was a boring fight. Like, but I don't know what people expected, right? I think people expected, like, Tyson was going to come in and, you know, maybe, like, in, the, like, the second round, he was going to knock out Roy Jones. He was like, no, that wasn't how it was going to work. Like, Tyson is, like, 50-plus. Roy Jones is about 45-plus, right? Like, these guys are not going to be the same thing that they were in their prime. Like, now, prime, if this was a prime fight, then sure, right? That would have been amazing. But now it's like, it was a lot of hug. It was a lot of hug and a lot of rope touch. It was a... It was more of a technical fight than I think a lot of people were expecting because that was the one thing that a lot of people always knock boxing for is that it's boring if it's no knockout. So I was like, well, it depends on, like, your preference towards boxing, right? Like, if you're more of a technical fighter, if you like to see, like, how people break down a body over 15 rounds, and yeah. But, like, that was that fight, right? Like, and the fight was... Again, a lot of people said it was boring. I thought it was an entertaining just to see how how someone whose last fight was in like the early nineties can go on and be, you know, still kind of, you know, in a good shape enough to fight, right? Like Roy Jones, you know, Roy Jones retired three years earlier and this was his kind of his fight, you know, and Tyson Black Tyson said like Everybody was worried about him. Nobody was worried about me. I was just like, yeah, Tyson, because you still look like you can knock somebody out just from, you know, just off rip. And I think that's what a lot of people think. Like, I think Tyson, I think a lot of people confuse this, like, regular fight, regular boxing with, like, professional boxing, really, because professional boxers know how not to get knocked out, right? Like, just regular street fight, you, you're not going to, you know, know how to protect yourself, right? Regular boxers know how to protect themselves, so... That's how that goes. I mean, if you were looking for a knockout, I feel bad for Nate Robinson, yo. Like, like you got knocked out, became a meme for $600, dog. Like, that made it, that that's to me made it so bad. Like, you got knocked out by a YouTube star who people still forget got in trouble because he showed a dead body on YouTube, right? Like, he got banned from YouTube for, like, a year for that. But it's just, like, I think the problem was with that fight is that Nate, I don't think Nate took it as serious as everybody else thought. Like, like um, Logan was actually training for real for that fight, right? Like, Logan had, like, at least three fights under his belt before that. I'm not sure they were, like, celebrity, they were celebrity matches, but against, you know, other YouTube stars. This was, like, his first one against, like, a true boo athlete, I want to say. So, like, he he was actually training for it, and I don't think Nate took it as serious as he should have. And now, for some reason, this is legit, guys. This is not, like, a fake thing. This is no one photoshopped this. Floyd Mayweather is going to fight Logan Paul now. This why? Why is it? Why? Why? Guys, I know Corona has ravaged us. I know we've all been in our houses for long periods of time. I know we've all been cooped up and wanting to get out. But, guys, this it's not worth it. Like, right? Like, y'all going to get, once again, get bamboozled out of $50 to watch this happen. Because, y'all, I didn't watch the uh, Conor McGregor fight, like, when he fought Conor McGregor. Because, like, I knew it, nothing was going, nothing of sustained was going to come from that, right? No one was going to get knocked out. Conor McGregor is an actual fighter who knows how to, again, protect himself. Like, the biggest, the best things about those fights were the press conferences because we knew both of those two, you know, special people aren't are going to, you know, have probably the best press conference and the press conferences were better than the fight. 
So like everyone knew that this press, like the press conferences building up to it, aren't going to be the same, right? They aren't going to have like the weigh-ins like they used to. They aren't going to do all these things because of you know reasons. So again, like y'all are building up these fights to be like, oh, this is such an epic thing. Like ESPN had it on their thing. I'm just like, guys, 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 why? Like it's not as big as everybody thinks it is, right? Like I think it's going to be a draw just because they have arguably the biggest draw in about I want to say 40 years in Floyd Mayweather than they had, you know, because so now they have a bigger draw, so they might be able to get a bigger purse for it. But it's it. Yes, yes. Someone said like, why? Well, uh, again, Floyd is the biggest draw because a he's undefe- undefeated. B he makes his fights feel important. His make he makes his fight feel like a big time fight. Like. He's never, you know, outside. Once he got to the main event, he was never on the undercard again, right? Like, Floyd did the smart thing, right? Like, he retired before he had any true blue damage to him, right? Like, he got out. I mean, Floyd already couldn't read going into boxing. So, now that he's out of boxing, not like he got to worry about reading now. So, outside of, you know, outside of that, like, uh, Floyd Mayweather always knew how to market his fights, right? Like, he knew that his undercard fights were always going to be, you know, small. So he knew how to make his fights feel big, right? He knew how to make his opponents feel. He he did the thing that a lot of people I don't think do. He built up his opponents a little bit better than like he said. He never said that they were great. He never said that he they were worried. He was worried about him beating them. But he always said like, yo, no, he's good at this. He's good at that. I know how to you know avoid how to do this. Like one trick that I've always learned about, especially from being just like a boxing fan and a wrestling fan is that you never want to tear down your opponent so badly that when you beat them, it doesn't matter. Right? Like if I say I'm going to fight somebody and he's terrible, he can't do anything. He can't do this. He can't do that. And I'm going to beat him so bad. Right. And I go and beat him. Cool. You just said, you just beat a guy that we all knew you can beat. Right. But if you go in there and say like, Hey, he's a little rough, he's tough. You know, I don't, you know, I know I can beat him, but he's going to be a tough fight. Like then you build up both fires that way. So, the, so look for January, Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather, 2021. Already better than 2020, I can say that so much. <laughs> but like I said, guys, that's my time. Uh, shout out to Fluent Radio for putting me on, as always. Uh, you guys can catch me next week. I will be here. Um, right now, the Bears are actually doing good. I'm shocked by that too, guys. Oh, we going on next week? Oh, cool, we going on next week. I'm on break, guys. Well, in that case, well, it was funny here, guys. <laughs> I, I, look, I learned the calendar wrong. I didn't know it was this way, but anyway. All right, well, until then, guys, I will see you guys in 2021. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, it's not, you know, we don't do 2020 does what, hopefully I don't think it does, which is let's go to like 1159.61. That's how it feels like 2020 is going to be. But until then, guys, I will see you guys then. Until then, two fingers, y'all. Deuces. <laughs>